0: Good morning and welcome to worship. It may be a little on the uh, gray side outside, but it's sunny in here. Amen? Amen. Because we have the light of the world with us. The Holy Spirit that comes and lives within us. So we are so grateful to be here this morning and to be able to gather together as God's people. If you happen to be joining us for the first time, um, those online or here, uh, I'm Pastor Ann and I am honored and blessed to serve this um, body of believers here at the Way Woodstock alongside Pastor Andy. Um, where We are here because we believe fully that our mission is to share in hope, to live with purpose, each one of us, for the sake of others. In today's message... And the title is, From Blasphemy to Reverence. As we look at the third word, the third commandment, we're also making a transition. So far, the words that we've looked at have talked about and and they focused on our relationships with ourselves and with other people. But today, we're moving into looking at our relationship with the one who created us, our God. Please join me as we hear the word of God from Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the word, the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we just ask today that you open our eyes Help us to see clearly what, um, what it would look like, what it does look like when we misuse your name. Help us to see beyond what we normally think of with that. And help us, Lord, to uh, always give you glory and honor in everything we think, in everything we do, in everything we say. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Now you may have also heard this commandment stated that you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. This is what we usually think of when we think of blasphemy. What you, what comes to your mind as you think about this word? Do you think about people who curse and include God's name? How many times a week do you hear or see printed on social media people using the name of God or Jesus Christ when they're expressing anger, frustration, or even surprise? This is misusing the name of God when the person uses God's name without really focusing on the one whose name they are using. But let's take it a little bit deeper. Before we, before we do that, I want to share with you something Pastor Andy shared with us this morning as we were preparing for this. He said that he used to have a pastor, a youth pastor friend who when someone, one of the kids would say God's name in vain, they would respond with this. Now finish that prayer. Now finish that prayer. I think that's a great way to bring to somebody's attention that what they're doing is using God's name and that that needs to be done in the context of prayer. So, going deeper. Is it possible for us to know that we can misuse the Lord's name in other ways? Have you ever heard someone use God's name to demean or diminish another person? In trying to be true to Scripture... <clears throat> Have you ever known someone who judged and condemned another person instead of loving the person while addressing the sinful behavior? Over and over in Scripture, we see Jesus and how he dealt with sin. Jesus was always careful to separate the sin from the sinner, from the person. Remember his words to the the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4? Jesus doesn't condemn her. He simply speaks truth to her, telling her how she's living. This is the woman, remember, she came to him and was getting ready to, to draw water. And he said he would give her living water if she knew who he was and if she would ask. And then he says to her, go and get your husband. And she says, i I don't have a husband. And Jesus proceeds to tell her, That's right, you don't. The man you're living with is not your husband, and you've had four husbands before that. He doesn't condemn her. He just simply states truth. This is the truth about her life. And then he offers her that living water, a new source of life. And he reveals to her that he is the source of that life, he is the Messiah the long-awaited Christ. Now, the woman is so taken with this interaction with Jesus that she runs and, and tells other people. She obviously didn't feel judged and condemned by Jesus. She must have felt known and yet accepted that Jesus loved her in spite of what she had done in the past. And that he was offering her another way of living, another source of life. And we're told that many came to believe because of the testimony of this woman, her witness as she went and said, come and see the man who told me all about me. Many came to believe because of her testimony, because she first witnessed to them. But then later on, we're also told that they came and they saw and they heard for themselves and they believed. Could it also be possible that name-dropping with God could be considered misusing the name of God? Have you ever known someone who said or did things that suggest that God likes them better, or he knows them better than others. The example that's given in the book that we're reading along with this sermon series was given from a young woman, Sarah, and she shares that she had graduated from a a Christian college, but prior to her graduation, several young men, in their attempts to woo her, had informed her with great confidence that God had told them she was going to marry them. And as she stated this and shared this with the group, the pastor there responds with these words. As I've thought and read about it over the last few days, I'm increasingly convinced that this word is more the sin of the pious than it is that of the sinner. And as I read that in the book, it brought to mind Matthew 23. The words that Jesus used with the Pharisees were more confrontational than with anyone else. And these are his words from Matthew 23. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. And then a little later on in this same uh, chapter, in verses 23 to 23, he goes on. And he says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and forgiveness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean out the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean out the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus doesn't mix any words with the Pharisees, does he? And there's more. Jesus was really tough with the religious leaders of his time because they were chosen for a purpose. They were chosen to speak to and to demonstrate to the people how God wanted them to live. And as we listen to Jesus talk to them, we see that they were failing miserably at being an example to the people. Now let's go back and listen to this third word again. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now there's something new about this word. This is the first time with any of the words that we've looked at so far that there have been consequences attached to this word. The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. None of the other words had consequences attached to them. So this must be an extra, extra important word for us which means that we really need to understand what God is talking about here. So what name is it that we're not to misuse? Is it God? Is it Jesus? Is it Christ? In Exodus 3, verse 13, this is written, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? This is where Moses has seen that burning bush, and he has that experience with God, and he's telling him, Go to the people. Free them. Bring them out of slavery. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, per- Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God has seen the misery of the people in slavery in Egypt. And I am is going to bring them out of that slavery. Now, God goes by many names in the Bible, but he has only one personal name, and it's spelled using four letters, Y-H-W-H. It truly has become an ineffable name. We neither know how it really was pronounced in antiquity or what it meant. We often say it Yahweh. I heard a prayer not long ago that talked about how the name of God is like breathing. Yah is when you breathe in. We is when you breathe out. So he is the very breath and life that we have. Yahweh is the principal name in the Old Testament by which God reveals himself, and it is the most sacred Distinctive and incommunicable name of God. It's found over 7,000 times in the Hebrew Bible. It's the name by which God chose to self-identify to the crowd gathered at Mount Sinai. Yahweh your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house, out of the house of slavery. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, God continues to identify as the one who delivers people from bondage. So maybe it makes sense that in order to misuse the name of the Lord your God, he has to first be the Lord your God, which means that this is a very important word for us as followers of Jesus. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Could it be possible that misusing the name of God is when we talk about God or we do things in his name that are contrary to how he's revealed himself in the Bible? He identifies himself as the one who delivers people from bondage. Could it be that this word is all about the freedom that God leads us into as we follow him in his ways in our lives could these 10 words really really be words of life remember the words Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah in Luke 4 18 to 19 he stood up in the temple and he unrolled the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, and he read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed Free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he proclaimed to those that were sitting in the temple, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is proclaiming here that he is the one sent by God to lead us all to freedom. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is as we follow Jesus that God transforms our hearts and our minds, and we are freed from the bondage of following the ways of this world. It is as we follow Jesus that we learn to respond to what happens to us as he did with truth and grace. As I thought more about misusing the name of God, I keep thinking back to the way Jesus confronted those Pharisees. What were some of the things that he addressed with them? First, instead of using God's name and his word to bring freedom to the people, the Pharisees had made things even more difficult by adding additional laws and regulations on the people. They were focused more on deeds what people did, than on the heart of God for freedom. The Pharisees used God's name and his word to bring attention to themselves and honor to themselves. They had become prideful. They were seeking more power, more money, more status. And while they might have looked saintly and holy on the outside, their hearts were full of corruption and greed. And while focusing on the outer behavior of the people, the Pharisees neglected to look inside at their own hearts. They failed to address the issues of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. God had chosen the Israelites to be a light to the nations. They were not only to follow God's laws, so that they would be different from the world around them, but they were also to have a heart that reflected God's heart. And what's in God's heart? John 3.16 states it really well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's heart is full of love for his children and his creation. He loves you. He loves me. He loves every single person. And he wants to deliver you. He wants to deliver me. And he wants to deliver every single person from the darkness of sin. So where does this leave us? First and foremost, I think it leaves us with looking inside our own hearts. If our hearts aren't aligned with God's, we're going to fall into that same trap that the Pharisees fell into, that of hypocrisy. And I don't know about you, but with every single message in this series, each word that we've addressed so far has spoken personally to me. There have been some things that I've had to look at as a result of these messages. And that's God's Holy Spirit speaking to us. The Holy Spirit helps us to see ourselves clearly so that we can, that when we react to something going on around us from our flesh, we can turn, we can repent, and we can ask for forgiveness from God and from someone else that our behavior may have affected in a negative way, and we can choose again the ways of Jesus. If we don't see ourselves clearly, we can't choose again. So maybe, just maybe, if we identify ourselves as Christian, yet we react to things in unloving hateful, mean, or cruel ways, we are indeed misusing the name of God. And we need to choose again to stop, to turn, and to respond as Jesus would. From time to time, I think we all forget that God loves the world, and Jesus came to save all, all who would believe in him. Our society and our world are so full of division, and it's so easy, so easy to get pulled in. And it's so easy to claim that God's on our side as if God takes sides. So how do we turn? How do we make sure we turn from blasphemy to reverence of God. I think there are three things that we need to remember that will help us. First, we remember that God so loved the world. When we remember what Jesus went through on our behalf, but not only our behalf, on the behalf of every person, we remember a love so great That it's hard to even imagine. How can we not fall on our knees in gratitude and love for the one who gave himself for us to bring us new life? Second, we believe that God is Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, Gotta remember, He's done that for us. He's brought us out of slavery. The righteousness of Christ covers us as God transforms us into the likeness of our Lord and Savior. We can only experience the freedom Christ came to give us as we become aware through the promptings of the Holy Spirit of where we are in bondage still. And third, we can remember the Lord's Prayer. As we pray, Hallowed be thy name. We are asking God to let his name be worshipped, exalted, honored, and adored on earth as it is in heaven. It is also asking God to so move and act in this world that people will worship and treasure him above all else. And so, may we remember well in the days to come. We have a God who loves us and the world he created. His desire is to make all things new. We have a God who sent his son, Jesus, into this world that we might know his great love for us. He has delivered us and desires to deliver others. He has delivered us. Do we live as if he has delivered us? You know, one of the things that I was aware of this week is that so many times we respond, we, no, Sometimes we react to things instead of responding to things. There's a difference. You know, when we get upset or frustrated, sometimes we just react. And that's going to probably come from our flesh, our worldly way of doing things. And that's when we feel that frustration or anger or whatever it is rising up within us. That's a time for us as Christians to pause. Say, time out. And to really think, and instead of reacting, to respond as Jesus would. You know, just as the Israelites were chosen to be the light of the world, you know, to come and shine Christ's presence into the world, God's chosen people, as Christians, we're to shine Christ's light into the world. We have a God who desires that in turn that we might love him as he loves us because his love was without limits. May we become more aware that we may give him the reverence he deserves. May we indeed hallowed be his name. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to close this time. I will, as I close my prayer, I ask that we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we don't see clearly. (laughs) A lot of times we don't see clearly. So we ask that you shine your light. We want to be the people that you call us to be. That is our desire We want to reflect Jesus' love for those around us. Just help us to see open our eyes that we might follow you more closely every single day of our life. And Lord, help us to recognize those places where maybe we're not doing such a great job, but allow us And remind us of your grace and mercy, that we have another chance, another choice that we can make. And so, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. As we ask that you open our eyes. And it is in Jesus' most holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Together, let's pray the Lord's Prayer.